Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I was meditating, as always, on what the Holy Ghost wants to share with his people. You're his people, not mine. And so um, something intriguing came to me a couple weeks ago, only last week, on the subject of balance. And so occasionally through society or through Christian society, we'll get these new buzzwords. Anybody ever familiar with that? That words that everybody kind of uses, but nobody ever stops and asks what they mean. It's kind of like the emperor has no clothes. Uh, and so people just repeat them or parrot them because they sound good or seem good, but we don't stop to go, what does that mean? And is it biblical? Is it measuring against the word? So I've heard probably on and off a great deal this year, particularly the word balance. So I'm going to call it a new buzzword in society. And then the church generally picks up things rather than lead society. And I'm just uh, positive that that will change, that we will lead and not follow in 2020 because that's what God's ordained us to do. And so uh, I began to meditate on that for the first time, even though I'd heard it. And I've been observing people that were talking balance and watching them trying to obtain balance in in both society and in the church and people I knew personally, because I'm a people watcher, I'm an analyzer, and so I'll track things and then file it and analyze it, and I can produce charts and graphs on it. And so this is a hobby. And uh, so I was just meditating, uh, getting ready the other day on balance, and I thought, this is very interesting because I'm not seeing, once again, the true definition of balance. I hear the word balanced used to measure uh, two right things, and it's always in the uh, connotation of you need to do less of what I'm telling you you're, you're unbalanced in. So uh, Webster, the definition of balance, Webster, we can look to Webster first, but then we're always going to side with the word, means something used to produce an equilibrium, which means a balance. It means mental steadiness or emotional stability. I never hear the word balance in relation to those things, do you? It's always about things or activities. Habits of calm behavior, sound judgment. An instrument for determining weight, a scale. The power or ability to decide an outcome by throwing one's strength, influence, support, or the like to one side or the other. Okay? So first of all, once again, society's parroting a word balance that they're not even checking against Webster's. So we're not in line already with, with the actual definition of the word. But let's see what the Bible, the God kind of balance is. What does balance mean in the Bible? It means a pair of scales. I think I have a graphic up there. Okay, so the Bible uh, always connotates uh, scales being weighed in the balance, and it's a, it's a measuring device. Um, the idea of to ponder, figuratively, it means an impartial state of the mind. The part of a clock or watch which regulates the beats, which is very interesting because God speaks much of time and where we are in times and seasons, and balance would have to do whether you are in sync with God's timing and his heartbeat and the synchronization of movement of time and season. So if you're not in sync just with God's timeline and things moving through the word, then that would automatically place you out of the balance mechanism or the mechanism that would obtain balance in your life is the timeline of the word. Okay. The measuring device would be the word. Both sides of a question, that means you are to carefully weigh something in the balance against the word, reasons to weigh reasons to compare by estimating the relative force, importance, or value of different things. So uh, I think we have to ask ourselves, people say, well, what does something cost? When I hear somebody say that, I say, it's not what it costs, is what is it's worth, is how we estimate value. The value placed on anything is immediately revealed by the price you're willing to pay for it. So value would be um, 
what separates all men from one another, that the value they place on something would be the great differential, right? Time being the great equalizer in its initial stages, being the great divider in what men do with it. All men are created equal that they're given 24 hours, but all men do not stay equal depending on how they invest their 24 hours of time. So it's the great equalizer, but then the great divider. Amen? Okay, so a pair of balances is a symbol of justice and fair dealing between right and wrong, not between two right things or two uh, benign things. Balance is not just between one thing or the other. So the world, you always hear people discuss it as one between one thing or the other. Why? Because society doesn't recognize rights and wrongs anymore. What's and even people say, well, people uh, will do what they think is right in their own mind. That's what the Bible says. But we are actually beyond that hour and season. There is no right. So it's not like I'm going to decide what's right. There, it's a not caring what's right. It's what I want. So we've actually, when you read that in the Bible, that that hour has come, we're past that hour of people. There is no right in their own mind. It's just what they want. They don't care if it's right. Because if you ask them, no, I don't care about right and wrong. What, what is right for me is what I want. And that's what we're deciding. That's a step beyond that into what the Bible calls um, when their minds are depraved. Because you can't, people think, well, there's no logic and reason. Right. Both deception and stupidity are illogical. <laughs> so you will not find, you'll be like, I don't understand why they're doing that. There's no understanding in deception or stupidity because there's not logic in it. If you need to understand why somebody did or said or did whatever, you have to go to the word, the man of understanding in Proverbs has to draw it out of the well. The understanding will come when the Bible says this is the cause of deception or the enemy or why did they because there was a root cause the issue is never the issue so then you understand the root cause and you can understand why that happened which makes it easy i was talking to somebody the other day about uh offenses are coming anybody notice that they're coming faster and more often yeah the bible said they would so many are offended in the last days more of you than not means many so the most of you sitting in this room more of you than not are offended with something or someone at this very moment and, and maybe even unconsciously because we go well my feelings are hurt but i'm not offended you forgot it was the same thing and so <laughs> gonna we're gonna define by the bible not by webster's and um so if, if many are offended, and Jesus said you can't stop the offenses, in fact, they'll increase. But he said you can fortify against them. So when, when Stephen prayed the prayer, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Jesus prayed the same prayer on the cross. Where do you think he learned that from? Uh, and so when we, we can move over into, as offenses are coming harder and faster and more frequently, we can fortify becoming better and faster at letting them drop and forgiving by that same prayer. And so uh, it's difficult if you equate that naturally. Well, yes, they knew what they were doing. They hacked their arm off and they did it on purpose because they said so. That's not what that means. <laughs> yes, they did it willfully. They did whatever they did knowingly, but this is what that verse means. If they knew spiritually that they were sowing that into their own life, they would have never done it. So they don't know what they're doing according to the word and in the scope of eternity. So can you say, can you actually move out of your offense into a place of fear for them, which allows you to intercede? Yeah, because that was just a one-way ticket to you nowhere, and you don't wish that anybody would go there. So it allows you to be removed from your emotion faster to say they do not know what they're doing. They're, they did that to me, but A, that wasn't them. That was the devil behind them. But they don't know what they're doing because they actually, boom, it rang, did it to themselves, not to me. They can only do it to me if I allow that. So you can move quickly out of that place, which is going to help you with that rapidity of offenses that will increase in 2020. And so you need to stop trying to run from them. You need to know how to become skillful in facing the enemy with your sword. Okay. So when you're skillful in, in uh, fencing or you're skillful in martial arts or you're skillful as a running back, they're going forward. Just because your enemy's coming at you, I'm going to meet you just like David met Goliath and one of us is going down and it is you and not me. Okay, so 2020 needs to look like that. It's not time to hunker bunker down. 
can find a, a whole spiritually stay in our house, be a bigger introvert than you were last year, and stay, I'll just stay away from people and stay away from things and do less, so I'll be less affected. Yeah, you'll be less effective, which is far worse for you spiritually and for heaven and for eternity than for you to be less affected. Yeah, stop being affected and be effective by moving into that. Move into the wind, move into the storm. You get to stay in the test longer or you can stay it shorter based on whether you want to pick up the pace and just run right into it. Jesus said you can't stop the storm. You can't stop the offenses. That was not your job. You're not authorized to do that. So if you try to run and hide and avoid it or stop it or brace for it, it's, these are all methods that are being ineffective. And they're, and they're designed to shut you down, to make you ineffective. So uh, forward, right? As pastor says, the direction. So we're talking about balances. So the world discusses them uh, in the sense of between two things. Has anyone ever heard this phrase? You drink a six-pack of beer every day. That's not balance. Three beers and a bottle of wine is my recommendation to you. Has anyone ever heard that statement? Of course not. So people, balance is never applied. How about, how about this statement? You know, snort a little cocaine with your pot. Have some balance. And so why are we not hearing? <laughs> yeah, and these are absurd, but like, but, but here's what I do hear, balance. Don't serve too much in the church. You might get burnt out. Yeah. Okay, here's one for balance. You watch the ball game every Sunday morning and Sunday night. Have some balance. Do it Wednesday. It's the middle of the week. Balance it out. Yeah. Said no one ever, right? Yeah. Hey, you ate five Twinkies, but there were six in the box. Eat the six and balance the scale out. Yeah, and so balance is never applied. Why is it never applied to, the, to people that are doing something either that we consider sinful or wrong or that they just want to do? Then it falls under the, oh, that's none of your business and everybody has a right to do what they want in the privacy of their own home. Yeah. So, oh, don't go to the bowling league four nights, play, do, do bowling twice and do baseball twice because wouldn't that be balance? Yeah, you don't hear people recommending balance on anything that they consider sinful or fun or their own business. And no, nobody that's their friend would ever dare to bring that up either. Hey, you're a little out of balance in that area. But we do hear, and balance I always hear for a withdrawal from. But balance in the Bible was created as a measuring device against God's word that his word, you had to put something in the scale to be the measuring device that you would weigh the other things against. So the Bible was put as your measuring device. And so anything put in the scale must weigh up, measure and weigh up against this. So let's drop in Netflix. Let's drop in Facebook. Let's drop in bowling, whatever. They will be weighed in the balance and found wanting. The Bible says found lacking. They're not equally weighty or have equal value or importance. So we were to weigh everything that was not part of God's word against it for the purpose of doing more, not less. Because the lesser was to be removed. But we have people advising non-Christians and Christians alike, even in the church, to balance by doing less. Is it possible to pray too much? Right, because Paul said, I pray more than you all. Pat, pat, pat. Yeah. Jesus said, pray without ceasing. Does that sound like balance or society? Yeah. So God's definition of balance is all, not some. In other words, you're confusing the world's definition of balance, which you need to do less than or two uh, same things, which is communism, to measure two things and go, let's be equal, all things in common. God told you to be uncommon. I love the president's wife saying, be best. Melania Trump, be best. Be your best. That's going to take all. That's not balance. To be your best, you'll have to, by the world standards, be out of balance. Do we tell the gold figure skaters, you're just practicing too much. You're going to get burnt out. You've got to have a little balance. Well, you don't get gold balanced. By the world's definition, which is the incorrect one of balance. God's definition to win, even in the earth, gold medals, be the best in your company. You don't get magna cum laude 
by commonness or being equal or balancing a little pizza or a little pot smoking with your college studies. You don't get valedictorian. You get these things in life even outside of Christianity by all in. 100% commitment. What everybody says, hey, you're just out of balance. You're a freak. You're a weirdo. You're radical. People say that we're intense like it's a slam. I'm, it's a compliment if you call me that. Yes, I'm radical. Yes, I'm intense. I'm all in and I'm sold out because you got nothing and nobody else does for me but everything Jesus has got. So to the world, that's going to look radical. And why do people call it that? Why do they call it out of balance? Because your excellence and your effort expose their mediocrity. Okay? And they, do, they want commonness, communism, pull you down to their level. You need to stop doing more. So when was the last time you heard somebody that sat on a couch and said, hey, you know, you, you work out too much at the gym to the person that has no gym membership? Right. And so if someone is going to mentor someone in something out of balance because they need to go for the more, it would be not the coworker that says, you're always out there running. That's all I ever see on your Instagram. You're so out of balance, says the person eating the next donut, last donut in the box. So if a person running and training for a half marathon needed some balance to get forward, the person running the marathon would counsel them, not the person on their third donut. But it's always the third donut guy giving you advice on what you should do less of. Do less like me. Look how great and happy I am. Yeah. <laughs> And so the marathon runner would say to the half marathon runner, let me watch your form. You want to go from a half to a full. Remember, we want to go to the more. So you need to do a little weight training with your sprints. But the advice for balance with God's definition is to get you more, not less. So if anybody's advising you to do less to create balance, you automatically are in a fail position. You will fail because balance cannot be obtained by less. <laughs> so balance cannot be obtained by taking more off the scale, but putting more on. So you, you're moving, balance was for you to have more of what was God and what was right, not less. So if a, a pre-med student is out of balance in their efforts to become a surgical uh, intern, the, the surgeon can come up to them and say, you know what, you're spending a little too much time in the library, that's good, but you need to practice a little bit more on the cadavers in the morgue. So it's the person that's doing more or has been doing more that can coach the person coming forward into greater balance for greater achievement, not stop, do less than. Since is it possible to give too much? It's not possible to give too much. It is possible to eat too many Twinkies, yeah? Possible to drink too much soda. Probably possible to not sleep enough. But spiritual things, it's not possible to be out of balance in them. Why? Because they're multiplied back to you, so there can be no deficit. But natural things you can get out of balance in because there can be a deficit in your life. If you eat too many Twinkies, there can be a deficit of health. Yeah, if you don't sleep enough, there can be a deficit of health. Watch too much TV, your brain turns to mush. There can be a deficit of intellect here. <laughs> so things in the natural that we do too much of, uh, there can we can create a deficit. So yeah, we, but we don't want to call them balance. Look, just don't do as many, just stop it. But to create balance in God's word, you can't do too much because he says, I want all your heart. I want you to give me all. I want all your prayers, right? So God has a different idea of balance and we need to go with uh, so be careful if someone's recommending balance to you that doesn't know what they're talking about. And be careful in your advice to others. Make sure we, we've got, remember that breath in our mouth and that, that air in our lungs was Jesus, so he gets to decide what we say to people with that. So we want to we honor that. Um, let's go to Revelation 3.15. So a balance is between a right and a wrong, not two rights, yes? Okay, because the word is always going to say the word is right and everything else outside of the word, measure against it to find out if that's right or wrong. If it's wrong, take it off the scale. If it's right, do more of it. The more you give God, the more he multiplies back to you. And the more he multiplies back to you, the more you have to give to others. There's no such thing as a deficit. How can, how can having more and blessing more people be out of balance? It's not. And so one thing is uh, I have actually made an observation of both Christians and non-Christians this year. 
on, uh, for people that were saying they were striving for balance and people that I do know personally that would talk to me literally about the subject of time management and balance. And so I've watched and just measured what happened in their efforts and their striving for balance. Well, I saw one side of the coin and then the other. I saw one side of the coin where people attempted balance, uh, which is something that you can attempt to do. And I saw them not obtain it and work very hard at it. Anybody worked at time management really hard and felt like you have less time? because you had to fake read the manual to your cell phone to use it for time management purposes, yeah. And then your, you know, your day planner, everything, everything to create time management hasn't actually given you any more time, has it? Because biblically, time cannot be managed. It must be controlled by you, not managed. There's a difference between control and manage. You're, God's the author of time. That means you own it. He said, buy it back with money. So there was a method in which you were to uh, dominate or redeem time. That's Ephesians 5.16. You weren't to try to manage it. It's unmanageable. And so when you strive for balance, people will go after circumstances. Yep things around you, right? Which is all you have access to with your five physical sense. I'm going to manage my time, my kids, my activities, my job or whatever. All those things and all those people are not under your control. <laughs> so you can't create balance because they're not in your power to control. The only person that's in your power to control is you. Okay. My alarm clock didn't even go off this morning. Can't even control electronic device properly. I set the thing and it didn't go off. I don't know why. Okay, now I don't have time to get the manual out and find out why. I really don't care. I'm just like smash, 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 throw in the trash and get on Amazon and get a new one. <laughs> just kidding. But um, so you can't create balance in the natural because society, the laws, the taxes, the IRS, your coworkers, your boss, your automobile, these things are not in your control. So what happens when you attempt to control and you can't control it, you get worse, you get more frustrated, you get more angry, you get more uh, in despair, and you're, you feel like I'm spinning my wheels. Okay, so what if, uh, and I also watched one or two other people go, you know, this year I'm going to kind of do less of the Netflix, and I'm, just, I'm not saying against, I'm just naming things that come to mind, less, less of the Facebook, maybe I'm not going to watch movies this year, and they took those time dollars and they converted them on the scale to spiritual pursuits. I saw them serve more. I saw them be in, in the house of God more. I saw them listen to the word more. I thought, wow, I saw peace and joy and extreme acceleration that they didn't even know they were doing in their lives. They grew five years in one. And I saw the other individual, loved the Lord, full of the word, full of the Holy Ghost, use natural methods in the arena of natural things to control balance. No growth, no difference. Yeah. So you can use God's method or you can use the world's method. I'm just recommending that we use the biblical method. Balance is important. Balance is scriptural, but it's not the definition that society is telling you or that Webster's is telling you. You're going to have to be all in. You're going to have to weigh those things on the scale. Can you do too much of a right thing? No. You can't do too much. <laughs> That's like, yes, I can eat too much salad. No. Uh, let me say this. Can you do too much of the word? No, you can't do too much of the word. You can't do too much of a right thing, okay? Even if, it, like I said, in the, if you do something in the natural, and let's make that analogy, if I have a nutritionist say, hey, it's great that you're eating salads every day, but you need to put a little chicken in them again. That wasn't a less than, that was a more than advice. You're going to add to and you're going to do more. Why? For moving forward in the area of health and nutrition. Not, hey, you're just eating too much salad today. Just cut that in half and, you know, put a, have a Twinkie on the side. It's a good balance. Fiber will sweep that out of your intestines. Fiber is the broom of the intestines. Yeah. Yeah, and some of you pay people for that kind of advice. <laughs> books that we know, but the four books. Uh, and everything you're thinking is written. Everything you're saying is written. Everything you're feeling is is written and everything you're doing is written and then there's the lamb's book of life and then there's the natural birth record born into the earth so that's six different books that's why the bible says in revelation the books are opened so we're going to discuss everything you thought that you thought no one knew we discuss everything you felt that no one knew you were feeling even though we were feeling you 10 feet in front of you medical science says what people are you feeling me mm-hmm we're feeling you <laughs> Um, so the, the books are going to be open on that. So God says, he says, I know your works and what you're doing, and you're neither hot or cold. He said, I want you hot or cold. And um, he, he, here's what we need to remember. Honor the fact that God gave you the gift of free will. He won't take it back from you. And so um, if you're not going to be hot, he's asked you to actually be cold. That's not a sermon that's preached on, and I'm not going to preach on that today because that would just be unpopular. But Jesus said it. 
He actually said, if you're not going to be hot, I wish you would be cold. Why? He said, because when you're in the middle, you make me sick. Because you're not all in. So I can respect, he's saying, I can respect the choice of your free will to take what I gave you and be all out. Or be all in, but I can't do the middle. Do you like the middle in your life? Do you like somebody to go, hey, I kind of like you. kind of love you sometimes. There was a song, and I'm not advocating the song, but the words were, part one sentence was from heaven. Give me your heart, make it real, or let's forget about it. That's God. Give him your heart, all of it, make it real, or forget about it. Hot or cold. Yeah, but society has, has told us balance is gray. Balance is, no, anybody ever tried to live in the gray and failed? Yeah, because people told me, you're too black and white. You need to be more gray. I had a minister advise me to be more gray. And all I could think of was that I absolutely don't know how to do that because I can't find it in the Word. I have absolutely no idea what you're even talking about, much less how to apply it. I don't know what that's like. And really, I'm not sure I want to know. I don't know what's gray, situational ethics based on how I feel today, the situation. No one ever knows what to expect. Jesus said he's the same yesterday and forever, and I'm so grateful that he's stable in an unstable world. I have enough of that with people. Like, I don't know who's walking in the door today. Little Miss Sweetie or Little Miss You-Know-What? Like, which version or which personality of your seven, Sybil, are we going to get today? Seven day, one of the different day. Could we at least schedule them? Then we get the same one Monday, same one Tuesday, or do we, we are on a constant rotation? There's not even any balance there. Okay. Uh, balance is, is stability, even according to Webster. So Jesus said, be hot or cold. But balance is never applied to spiritual things in the word. The widow woman, was that a balanced offering? <laughs> Of course not. It was her all. How many have read the story of Elisha when Elijah called him? And then he's like, hey, I got to go do these things with my family first, which means relatives. Because Jesus said, your family are these people sitting in this room. Your relatives are the people that are related to you that have your same blood type or DNA. But they're not necessarily your family. So Elijah turned around and walked off. See ya. Bye-bye. All in or all out. Because he was all in. So Elisha realized, I'm getting left here. I need to do something about that. So what did he do? He had a business. He had a family. He went and he took his business, which was his oxen. He took the yoke off their neck, chopped it up into firewood, slew the oxen, cooked them over the fire, and fed them to his relatives and say, see ya. I'm not going to see you. Never. I'm going with Elijah. I may never see you again. So was Elisha all in? What was Elisha's reward for that? Double. He asked for the double portion, but he didn't ask for the double portion of the day. Hey, if I do this, I'm going to want the double portion. No deals. Yeah. Job, though you slay me, yet will I serve you. That's not a statement of truth, but it was truly stated by Job. God recorded Job's words as he said them. He didn't paraphrase them or change them. He cited the source correctly in the bibliography. Okay. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all. Can you pray in tongues too much? No. He said, I pray without ceasing, First Thessalonians. How about uh, the widow woman with two mites? Ponder for a second, what do you think happened to her later? Jesus doesn't say, but by the nature of God from Genesis to Revelation, what do we know? Yeah, just like the, whim, the woman that gave uh, Elijah, fed him a little portion of her cake first. Um, do you think that was her last meal? The woman went, no, she was probably the most prosperous person in the land of Israel. Yeah, maybe she was the person that gave the largest amount to Jesus' ministry because he did say that the people that were the biggest givers in his ministry were rich women. Yeah, Proverbs 31 woman. She ran the businesses and the servants and everything. And so she knew how to have increase. Um, the boy with five loaves and two fish. Did he say, oh, Jesus, I need to keep at least one or two to eat. Yeah, John didn't go over there and snatch and grab that out of his hand and take that. Hey, this kid's got a lunch. Give me that. No. And so <laughs> he's like, hey, we have this. And that little boy said, and that's why I love the, the little drummer boy, because it's about be best. You, you, even if you think you have nothing, two-fifths of a cent, give it all. Not here, Jesus, you can have, you know, two sardines and I'm going to keep three, you know, but that's what we, we do with God as if there's not more. When he's the God of all, he's like, no, if you just give it all to me, what you got's not enough anyway. If you give it all to me, I'm going to multiply it back to you. The, the lowest common denominator in the word of multiplication is 30%. 
What's five loaves and two fish times 30%? That's way more than you could obtain by going to work for the next year. And that's if you just have little faith in you. Uh, but there's the common denominator, 60-fold, 100-fold. And I like Deuteronomy. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, increase you a thousand times more than you are. I'm not in the, I'm not in the parable of the sower. Multiplication. I'm in Deuteronomy. Join me. Yeah, a thousand times more than you are. Yeah, why? Because I can demand that because I give all. He gives me his all, I give it back to him. It's an exciting life trying to outgive God, you and he in this. That's, if you're not sure what that's like, read Solomon, 1,000 Offerings and Chronicles. He, they spent two weeks trying to outgive each other. <laughs> God's like, I'm going to do this. Solomon's like, no way, I'm doing this. Yeah, outgiving each other. So live that life. How about the Macedonian church? giving out of their poverty in 2 Corinthians. They had nothing, and they still said, hey, whatever it is that we were to scrape together, we're going to send to somebody that doesn't have anything. They weren't concerned about, yeah, we're in poverty. Oh, well, once again, if we die, we die in faith. You know, if we starve, we would just be in heaven. Like, that's a bad day, right? So if you eat your last piece of apple pie and wake up in heaven, that's, that's a good day. Okay. Um, did Jesus give us all on the earth? Did he withhold any good thing from you. Yeah. So God's idea of balance is the word all. Yeah. So as we go into the new year, we don't want Satan to tell us, well, you need to be a little balanced. You need to not pray so much. You're reading your Bible too much. You're giving too much. You're serving too much. You, you, you're going on too many missions trips. You need to skip that. You go to school too much. You're learning too much about the word. Just listen to that. Does that even sound like, no, deception and stupidity are both illogical. So you can't find the logic. And if it makes you go, hmm, then it's probably not God. Like, hmm, my, my eyes are crossing and my brain cells are not firing and igniting because my, my mind, my ears are smoking. Yeah, that kind of, not the meditation on the word that brings revelation and peace, the stuff that starts overloading the equipment here. <laughs> um, so give your best. Go to John 31, 6. Amen? And, and l let's ask this. What's our best according to the word? All. So say, I did my best. Well, I'm going to ask you, did you do your all? Because best, if I did my best, if I told my boss I did my best, then I gave my all. Because I wouldn't be saying, hey, I did my best. Well, give me a percentage, 75%. Huh? Yeah, he'd be like, huh? Because 75% and your best aren't the same thing. So your best means 100%, even in the world. So your best is uh, the same thing that God said. So this is Job 31.6. Oh, let me be weighed in a just balance, pair of scales, and let him weigh me that God may know my integrity. So we should be inviting God to measure us between this last week of the year. Lord, what's out of balance? What, what needs to be weighed in the balance and found lacking and dismissed from my life? Because it's not measuring up for the word. It's not creating a forward momentum. Job was inviting it. He said, I want God to know my integrity. But in our society, we live in, even in a place in the church where we don't want intimacy. We want to run in here, we want to sit down, we want to have our face seen, and we want to jet out the door. We don't want to talk to anybody, we don't want to talk to the pastor. We don't want people to know us because intimacy means into me see. Because we think if people really see the real us, they won't like us. So what? Let, let them not like you, and why don't you just see what happens? Maybe you're not right about everything. Maybe you're not a legend in your own mind. Yeah. Why don't you test some of these lifelong theories you've had? Yeah, because intimacy, when you don't let people know you, you have built a wall, a prison of yourself, that you have imprisoned yourself and you can't get out again and touch people and be effective. You can't have it both ways. You can't wall yourself off and not be known and be effective in what God's called you to be. You're basically useless because God can't make you useful or full of use to him because you don't think that there's anything valuable in him when he said. I had to tell somebody the other day, uh, and it's, it wasn't the first time. I've said it many times over the year to different people I've, I've worked with in my businesses. If I'm telling you a good, you're doing a good job, I need you to believe me. We're going to have a problem if you don't believe what I say. Because if you believe your thoughts and your words more than me, then we have a problem that probably not going to be able to resolve because I don't lie and I don't flatter. So when God tells you, you're worth all my drops of blood, you're worth me leaving heaven to come to earth, for me living here in this body and going through everything, crucifixion, so that you, just you, if it was just you, 
could be in heaven with me forever, I'd do it again. And you won't believe that? Yeah. Believe him when he says that you're priceless. There's no price that can be put on you. He, everything he had was not too much to pay for you. Yeah, so don't, don't run away in this new year from into me see. Let people see the real you. If they don't like you, so what? Maybe it's their problem. Maybe it's not. Why don't you, be, how about this? Become more likable. Yeah, give that a try. What a novelty. Yeah, stop lying. Well, just take me or leave me. Well, we're trying not to leave you, but could you be a little bit easier to take? Let's all, let's all work together here. Meet in the middle. <laughs> Proverbs 11.1, 1, go there. Use your Sunday afternoons to eat with each other. Let me just make it clear. I'm going to stop using the word fellowship. Go eat lunch together. Guasapa. Am I saying that? Am I saying that in English? Go get a dollar burger. Take this time on Sundays. Every Sunday. Find someone new or someone the same. Go fellowship. That's not your time to run home and do your laundry. Look, God kind of balances all in. Sunday's his day. Put that first. It's the first day of the week. So that, and then you will have the right rest of the week. God, I promise you, uh, I, I, I understand busy. I get busy. I have six jobs. What, it, what is not on my list? We're like, what do you do? The short list would be what I don't do. And right now I can't think of anything on it to even tell you since I'm now on a plane to Afghanistan. I don't, I don't know what's not my job and, and what I'm not doing. But um, I make sure that I sow Sunday is the first day of the week. It's all about people and spiritual pursuits. And so take that time and sow into other people that you might receive and be refreshed that your week will go better. It's not our time to slink home, put our feet up, our bunny slippers, and just, God, I don't want to talk to anybody. And then come back tonight and get my head rubbed bald. Okay. Proverbs 11.1. 1. It says this, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight means to build is his delight. So God calls balances, there's false and there's true. So if you're weighing things way the way the world is advising you, you have a false balance and that's abomination to God. And he says a just weight, the word weight right there in Hebrew means to build. That means forward, it's gonna increase. So when you're measuring properly with the Bible on one side of the scale and everything else is either found wanting or if it's spiritual, it can be increased and you can put more weights on it. He said, if it's not a just weight, it's not justice with the word, then it's an abomination to me. And if it's not building your life, if it's detracting from spiritual things or the only things that are gonna build your life in the future, amen? All natural things rest upon the foundation of proper spiritual things in place in your life. Uh, anybody ever heard of the verse Matthew 6.33? We can all quote it, right? Seek first the kingdom of God, but we're not thinking about that. So when he said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things would be added is balance a thing. So we're trying to balance without seeking first the kingdom of God. It's impossible. So you have to seek first the kingdom of God, which is all. Balance will automatically be created. The scale will be balanced. And Jesus said, I'm going to add all those things to you. So will your laundry get done? Yes. And you know what? Probably by someone you paid. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Maybe your car will get washed by somebody else for a change. Maybe your coffee will be made by McDonald's. They're good at it. Why do you want to do what somebody else is better than you at? Yeah, you're messing with their destiny. Public's destiny is to make chicken. It's not mine. And so <laughs> to know who you are and know who you're not. Um, go with me to Revelation 6. Are you getting this? Say this. Balance with God is all. No such thing as too much of a good thing. You got to say thang. It's just you have to call good what God calls good. Because I heard somebody think, well, Twinkies are good things. No, they're not. <laughs> I'm not picking on Twinkies. Revelation 6, 5. When he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see. 
And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances, which means a yoke and a coupling. A yoke, they're going to yoke two things together in his hand. Verse 6, I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see, thou hurt not the oil and the wine. What that means is, in the last days, we are invited, Isaiah says, uh, come and buy now without a price. That means it won't take money. You're going to have to buy with time, spiritual things. And in the, he told the uh, angels not to touch the spiritual things in the earth. It will, it will come to the point at some point in Revelation, remember they said it was uh, a whole day's wages for a loaf of bread. Where natural things you will not even be able to afford to buy should you find yourself here. But spiritual things you could still obtain. So where is he saying? Where's the balance? What do you want to move towards obtaining? Spiritual things that are not to be touched. They're not to be lessened, he said. He told them, don't touch those. Don't lessen them. But everything else you're allowed to touch. So if you haven't read Revelation, you might want to read that. Um, I don't camp in it much because I won't be here when it's going on. But if you maybe want to be here when it's going on, you might want to find out what's going to happen. Okay, so we're not to lessen or draw back from the things that will remain, the only things that will be here as helpful. So this is the transliteration of that. An opening of the third seal, a black horse appeared, a color denoting mourning and woe, darkness and ignorance. He sat on it, he that sat on it had a yoke in his hand. As the stream of Christianity flowed further from its pure fountain, it became more and more corrupt. During the progress of this black horse, the necessities of life should be at an excessive price, and the more costly spiritual things should not be hurt. According to prophetic language, these articles signified that food of religious knowledge by which the souls of men are sustained into everlasting life, we are invited to buy. So how do you buy spiritual things? With your time. You're going to have to take time from non-spiritual things. That means you can't do less spiritual things and call that balance in your life. You will have to do things that are less uh, in the word and do things that are more in the word, more volunteering, more serving, more giving, more whatever that you're finding in the word of, more winning souls, more of sharing your faith, not going, well, I need to balance these things out. I need to have this much time with God and spiritual pursuits and this much time for my career. And oh yeah, the F word, family, that God uses as relatives and not family. I'm not saying to neglect your family. I'm saying to put them in the proper order of priority where they can be blessed. Because if you become their Jesus, um, then Jesus can't be. So you have to uh, do what you're needing to do with God, and then you honor and love them in their proper place, but not above. Jesus will not share the first chair in your life with anyone, not your spouse, not your children, not your relatives, not your job, not your... He's not going to share the chair. In other words, he's not going to sit on half of it and let you force him to share it. He's a gentleman. He'll get up and let you put whoever else you would like to have that seat there. Yeah, he will not share the chair, even though you think he's sharing the chair. He's not sitting there at all. Go with me to Daniel 5.27. Let's look at, when we're looking at things that the Word discusses for balance, how it discusses them and how it describes them. Daniel 5.27. And this, we all know the story well. I always say, I don't know how to pronounce the saying, you know, that was written on the wall with the finger of God. Spooky moment, though, huh? An invisible finger writing on the wall. Weird, though, how they respond. So went right back to the party. Deception and stupidity are both illogical. <laughs> so we, we see in Daniel 5, 7, uh, we see Belteshazzar, which is the son of, of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebi. So we know Nebi built the thing, and he wanted Daniel to bow to it. And Daniel actually lived through uh, several kings. It's amazing because he was God's man and he would just carry on and they would die and a new one would come to the throne. So Belteshazzar knew the history of his father Nebuchadnezzar, how he had crawled in the field for seven years out of his mind because he refused to recognize God. So he knew all that his father had done and been through and yet he still decided to not uh, balance things and, and go after God. So we find in, in verse 27, uh, the, the writing was on the wall that said, Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. That word wanting means you're found deficient. 
So when God uh, wants us to weigh things in the word, he wants us to know what's deficient according to the word in our lives. Not that you're deficient. Now he was saying this man was deficient, but not that you're deficient. It's just that there is a deficiency in your life of spiritual things and he wants you to know what they are. So it's good to seek him and say, search me, Holy Spirit. Where, where are the deficiencies? Because those are not helping me move forward in my life. And he's going to take you to the word and show you the deficiencies. And that's not a negative thing. But our society has taught you that correction, course corrections are negative. Because all we're told in society is we should be constantly affirmed and petted for how wonderful and perfect we are just the way we are. Every talk show discusses that. You're awesome. You're wonderful. You're not awesome, and it's not going to be okay. <laughs> because when, when your kid does something wrong that's hurtful or burns his finger or punches his little brother in the eye, you don't tell him you're wonderful. No, that is not the time for affirmation. Because that's not affirmation, that's actually flattery, which is lies and falsehoods. That was not a wonderful act, and we're going to discuss that act. But before that, you know I loved you, and when I'm finished discussing the deficiency, I will remind you then that I love you. But I'm not going to tell you it'll be okay, and you're wonderful, and you can do no wrong, and everyone gets a trophy today. Everyone did not earn a trophy today. <laughs> Some people earn no dinner. Yeah. Yeah. It's called sowing and reaping. But we have taken our society and we've called that, shamefully called that love. And said, well, we just need to love everybody. No, what you meant is we need to all accept and tolerate every horrible thing you want to do to yourself and everybody else and have no consequences for it. And you're good with that until it happens to you. Yeah. Well, you should just let those kids do what they want until they break into your house. You'd be all over, you know, telling everybody, we'll just leave people alone. But when it's you that got your car broke into last night, you blowing up the app, the neighborhood app. Oh, justice must be done. Does anybody have footage of those? You know, yeah. Everything's great until it happens to you, right? There's no such thing as live and let live. Yeah. Okay, so here we are in 527. And we see Belteshazzar throwing a huge party. And Daniel actually was not even in his leadership. Daniel was in the kingdom, but he had left Daniel in the, in the back room, so to speak. He was his father's advisor. And obviously, you know, my father was old school and old fashioned and didn't know what he's doing. And just remember today, old school pays the bills, guys. So you might want to think a little bit about old school because um, they're the ones that actually have the jobs. <laughs> So Daniel was old school, his father was old school, so he hadn't really sought Daniel, and he forgot, but one of his wives, one of his many wives, said, hey, there's this guy that served your father well. In fact, he was so wise, your father made him uh, next to him in the kingdom because he could actually interpret dreams. He could tell you the dream and tell you what it meant. And the other guys that you tell the dream to, they couldn't even tell you what it meant. So he called on Daniel, and he's like, look, you know, what does this mean? And nobody there knew the language. And so obviously it was a heavenly language because there were people that spoke many kinds of languages and very educated people there. And so this was a, a language that God was simply reserved for himself and gave Daniel the interpretation. And Daniel, like his father, wasn't always excited about having to tell the king that there was judgment against them because lots of times that guy got his head cut off. But once again, Daniel's like, hey, you know, we're going to serve God. So he let him know that you're weighed in the balances and you're found wanting and God has numbered your kingdom and he's finished it. The kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And then Belteshazzar, they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain. He rewarded him and they carried on with the party. And by the next day, Darius of the Medes comes in and, and takes him over. So the army was well on its way. So God was giving him one final chance, which meant he had a lot of chances to repent. So we don't want God to go, you've been weighed in the balance. You don't want God in the middle of the night to write tiki tiki mini mini on your wall. <laughs> been weighed in the balance and found wanting. You don't want to wait till judgment day for the assessment. You want to be like, Daniel, go ahead and measure and weigh me, God, because I want to see where my integrity lies and where there's a lack of integrity in my life because you're the God who loves me and full of mercy and you're the God of the ability and the anointing to help me move forward in what I have. I'm not, he's not asking us to move forward without his power. All of his power and all of his ability are going to provide the means to move forward for you. So go to uh, Proverbs 4.20. So the God kind of balances all, amen? Proverbs 4.20, you okay? Okay, because we're going to have the God kind of balance in 2020. Because we want to have the God kind of momentum, the God kind of forward progress, the God kind of growth. The world is not our advisors. 
They are grossly mistaken. Do not take advice from magazines, talk shows, and Facebook, and any other source. Proverbs 4.20, Jesus said this, My son, attend. Turn your head and look at. Lean in and listen to, respect and value my words. My words. Respect and value, listen and lean into the Bible's words, not society's. And be careful of other people's interpretations and watered-down versions and marshmallow cream fluff versions of the word. My advice, my answers, my commandments. Incline. He said to stretch. You're going to have to make effort towards the God kind of balance. Bend your ear. Expand and broaden your perception into my sayings. Verse 21. Let them not depart from your eyes. That means don't look away from them. So the God kind of balance is don't take your eyes off the book. Don't take your eyes off the book when you're driving. Don't take the eyes off the book when you're cooking. Don't take the eyes off the book when you're working. People say, you're so weird, radical, out of balance. All I ever see you is reading your Bible and talking about Bible's praise music. Yes, because I'm balanced. Would you like to know how I'm balanced, how I have equilibrium called sanity? Yeah, in the word. And how I can have a thought, two brain cells, rub them together, and they ignite a blaze and not misfire like a bad spark plug. So God's balance is all. He said, don't take them out of your eyes, your senses. It's the fountain and flow of your life. So wherever you decide, if you decide God's kind of balance is all in his mind, that's the whole flow of your life. If you decide I'm going to balance the words way and I'll just balance God equally with everything else in my life because that's balance, then the flow of your life will be that and them, which is not him. Yeah. And we all, when that, that flow flows downhill all sewage eventually finds the downhill path. Keep them in the middle of what? Your heart, your courage, your mind, your feelings, your understanding. So God's word in the middle is the balancer of all things. Keep them in front of your eyes, in front of your... Here's your transliteration. Teach your kids this. Children, turn your head, lean in, look and listen to my words. Respect and value my answers, my advice, my commands, my manners and purposes. The flow of your life, even your five physical senses, must be kept guarded and protected with unbroken focus. Place my word in the very center of your life, the most important thing to you, and this will balance all other things in your life. See, balance is not a, just a scale. Balance is a circle. The word is in the center, and all things flow out from that, and they are automatically balanced, automatically, which means I don't have to go take the hand of my might and power and force balance in their lives because that's control and that doesn't work because all those things out there that you feel like you need to do this to belong to other people, places, and time, and you're not authorized to control them. So balance has to come from the inside out. Balanced is here. It's in the center. It's in here. And then the flow of my life wherever I go. And on top of that, not only am I balanced, but I can bring balance into any equation. Any room you walk into, any chaotic situation with your relatives or your workplace, you brought wellness, you brought the balance. So things around you, if you stay there, they have to be balanced unless you get out of balance and get all up in their stuff with them because they can pull you out of that balance if you don't want to stay in that place of the center of balance. Once you've made the word of God the first and final authority, and see, that's our problem with balance. We haven't made God the first and final authority. Maybe you say, I made him the final authority. Yeah, after you sought everybody else's perspective and opinion first. Sometimes you decided to make the word of God your final authority if you felt there was great benefit for you. But he's the first, the only, and the final authority that we consult in our lives. There is no other consult. Yeah, and so the verse that says, well, there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel, not in a wisdom of a multitude of counselors that aren't counseling by the word or don't know the word. That wasn't, and it says, you don't make war without that counsel. Were you going to war? Yeah, well, I'm getting on a plane to Afghanistan, so I'm going to talk to my board about it. But other than that, I don't, need the, I don't need the multitude. I just need the one. And if I'm not hearing from the one, then I have my direct authority. Your pastor, my husband, my boss. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, he can decide. And then it's all on him, right? Which is fun. The S card, the submission card we apply. Um, let's see what else. Go to Deuteronomy 6. Let's close with, with Deuteronomy then. So let's finish with God's kind of all and God's kind of balance. Aren't you glad that now you can have a totally balanced life without buying another time management device? 
You're like, I thought I'd have known it was that easy. Mm-hmm. Light and easy is how everything is with Jesus. It's only hard when you're trying to figure it out. If you even catch yourself saying that, stop. You don't figure it out, you pray it out. Deuteronomy 6.1 says this. Now these are the commandments, statutes and judgments. There's three different things, so there are three different things which the Lord your God commanded to instruct you that you might accomplish and be skillful. So God gives you commandments for you to be skillful and accomplish things. He doesn't, the world says God gives those commands to stop you from doing things, to stop you from having fun, to stop you from enjoying life. That's what, that was the big lie that uh, Satan told Eve. You know, there's stuff that you don't know that you're going to want to know. So Satan's packages everything to be the more that God has for you. That's what, well, you need to have balance because there's stuff you're missing out on. You have to decide what you think you're missing out on. Yeah. When, when I was a teenager, I think I was uh, 15, 16. And so th- this is even pre-past my, my association with pastor. So uh, I decided that I would uh, just try skipping school, you know, just to see what is it that is the big deal that we're missing here. So some things with me are just very logical. So I got in a little bit of trouble and, and, and irked my dad a bit, just, just briefly, and uh, you know, decided I'd see what it was I was missing. So I find myself, I snuck out a few times and climbed out the window and all that, and I think you know about that, but if, if not, you'll forgive me, I'm 50. Yeah, telling stuff, your dad's like, mm, I don't know, yeah, I don't want to know all the stories of things my kids did. But, and so I'm sitting in a car, it's two o'clock in the morning, and they're all smoking pot. Now, personally, I think smart pot has a very offensive odor. It just stinks, okay? That's just my nasal passages. It stinks. It, everything stinks that it touches the car. And so I'm sitting there. They're smoking. I'm not smoking because I, I just wasn't interested in it and, uh, at the moment. And so I, I was sitting there going, this is what I'm up at 2 a.m. for. I like sleep. I like my bed. This is what I'm missing. Okay, these people don't look like, because see, I'm not smoking them. I'm looking from the outside in. They don't look or sound like they're having fun. In fact, they're the stupidest people. And what does that say about me? So I, I just sat there measuring. That was the first and last time I, I did that, you know, and then tried a few other things and then measured them like Solomon. It's all vanity. Yeah. And so it just took me four months in year 16. Four months, 120 days. Go down the bucket list everything done. Okay, what are you missing? Mm, not missing anything. My dad's like, do it again and you'll go to juvie. I believed him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, there's just things that Satan's going to tell you or your coworkers or your family are going to tell you that you're missing because you're out of balance. Trust me, there's nothing you're missing because Satan cannot tell the truth. What's happening is they're missing out on the good things God has for them, but they don't want to change. So the phrase, misery loves company, is true. So when they're miserable, but they pretend they're happy because they can only be happy with some inebriating substance, excesses of, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever, food, whatever, so they can forget and not feel no intimacy because then you have no feelings, they cut themselves off. And so the person who can't feel is telling you that you're missing something. How would you know? Because you can't feel anything right now. Wow. Yeah. Deception and stupidity are both illogical. So in Deuteronomy, it says the commands are oral instructions. The statutes are written instructions and judgments are the outcome when the first two are not followed. But God's fair, he's going to let you know what those are. So Deuteronomy 2, 6, 2, that thou mightest respect the Lord to keep all his statutes and his commandments and your son and your son's son all the days of your life so that your days may be prolonged. In verse 3, he says, hear, which means intelligently consent and obey. So I was giving you an example of how I intelligently consented and obeyed. And observe to do it properly. So is there a wrong way and a right way? Yeah, people are like, I'm faithful. Yeah, you did it faithfully wrong. Faithful means skillful, okay? We don't want to repeat something in in the wrong manner. We want to do it skillfully. So he said, do it properly, that you may be happy, successful, and find favor. And it's interesting that we're running around trying to be happy, successful, and find favor when God said, if you just obey this, it's automatic. You will be, not do this first and then pursue that. He said, if you do this, you will be happy. So here's the secret to happiness that everybody else is missing out on. Obeying God's word, they're like, I don't understand why you're so happy. You're at church all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> then you may buy a vow. Yes. 
or you just you just hit the jackpot. Did you hear what you just said? Of course not, because they weren't listening to their own words. Deuteronomy 6.4, hear, O Israel. Notice how many times God says these phrases, hear, listen. Do you have ears to hear? Why? It tells us you're not listening or you're not, you're hearing with your ear, but you're not hearing with your understanding. You're not hearing with your heart. Because he said, when you hear, you listen and you consent to obey. So God connotates a hearing with a doing. He knows if you're really hearing, you would be doing. So when he sees no doing, he says you're not listening. But when you say that same thing to your kids, did you not hear me? Yeah, I heard you, moms. They cleaned up my room. Well, it's not cleaned up, so I'm going to assume you didn't hear me. Because the other thing I have to assume is that you rebelled against what I said, and that's a whole other level of discipline. So either hearing impaired or rebellious, take your pick, because there's two different kinds of discipline for that. Okay, verse 5, thou shalt love the Lord thy God, what does that say? With all, there's the balance, all thy heart and all thy soul and with all thy might. So these are three different ways to do all. Love is a verb. It's an action word. It's something you do. So it's not something you say. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So the proof of love is compliance. So somebody can't say uh, they love me and they don't do what I ask them to do. Even me as a person. They're like, no, you don't. Because if you love me, you do what I ask you to do. Well, I thought you would want this instead. That's your problem you were thinking. Or they, in other words, you were giving me what you wanted me to have, which is selfish and about you and not what I asked for. So when somebody says, comes back, how many of you tried that with your boss? Your boss said, hey, clean out the storage room. Well, I went and I thought I'd go pick everybody up a pizza because I thought you'd be happy. No, you didn't actually think I'd be happy. You thought you'd be happy. Yeah, and so you chose you over me. Like a boss is a boss not because he has your intellect because he has a, probably a greater intellect. So that, that, that's not going to fool him. Yeah, and so it's not going to fool God when we say we love you, God, but he said, if you love me, obey my commandments. So your love to me is measured in what you do, not what you say. Because when you do something, I'll know that you love me. You don't have to say the words. It's nice to say the words, but you don't have to say the words. Or they should at least be married to the action. Okay? Uh, Heart means your emotional nature. The soul is that in a man by which he reveals himself alive, your seat of action. This is the word might, financial power. So I know pastor preaches on the tithe every Sunday, but really he could just preach on this. If we love God, we love him with our financial power. All, all in. So it's never a question of, it's the question is, Lord, how much can I bring today? Not how little can I do? So the word might means financial power. It's not how much uh, weights you can lift with your bicep exercise. Yeah, it's not that type of might. So verse six, and these words which I command thee today shall be in thine heart or center of balance. So the center of balance is the place that you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, your financial power. Verse seven, and teach them diligently to your children if you have children and your grandchildren. Write them on the doorpost. So it's good to have scriptures put everywhere. Um, John 13, 34, I give you a new commandment that you should love one another just as I have loved you. So if you have the God kind of balance in, our, in your life, including myself, then we won't have a love walk issue. We're having a love walk issue because we're out of balance. The center of our life is not centered in God. So we're going, I'm struggling with so-and-so. They're getting on my nerve, their personality, or what they're doing or what they're not doing. So that, that flow has been disrupted. It's out of balance or out of sync. So what we want to do is stop trying to deal with the issue that's on the surface and deal with the root, which is we got out of balance. Somewhere we're not walking in love with God. Because to walk in love fully with God, with your all, means that love of God can flow out of me and love that other person. When I'm struggling this way in, in horizontal relationships with people, I need to know I'm out of balance vertically. And so, but we keep attacking, trying to control and get them to line up with what I want, and that doesn't work to try to balance these things in people. You're going to have to realign yourself vertically, and then the horizontal will automatically line up. And sometimes it lines up by moving on down the road, moving on out, (laughs) and hey, let it go, right? So how do we love God? So balance is a thing. Seek him first, and we'll finish with this. This is the transliteration to love. Be deeply devoted deeply interested, pursue with all your appetites, conscience, courage, intellect, memory, mood, 
moral feelings, understanding, and will, with all your soul, your reputation, your vital breath, and vitality, with all your might, your ability, your abundance, your authenticity, your diligence, your endurance, forcefully, with full strength, with all your goods, intensively, louder and louder, with power, with praise, quickly, with your wealth, your financial power, worthily and holy. So this is the God kind of balance he desires for us, which his definition of balance balances all. Amen? So let's stand. Let's give God our all because he deserves nothing less than that. And on top of that, he's going he's gonna to enable you to be able to do that with joy and peace and easily. Amen? It's not going to be hard. It's not going to feel like this great sacrifice because God's not going to be outdone by you. The, re- the reward for the people that gave all in the Bible w- was all back to them. And double. Like Elijah got double portions. So if we want to move forward and have more, which we all do, then we're going to have to balance God in that center place and not share the seat or unseat him anymore with other things that people have maybe well-meaning. But most of the time when I hear balance, somebody recommended it wasn't really well-meaning uh, for that person's good. It was because they didn't appreciate their mediocrity being exposed. But um, now that we know what balance really is, we want to go, go all in with that. So let's, let's close your eyes and let's pray this to the Father. Father, we are so grateful for the gift of a free will. Thank you that that is the one thing you will not take back. Thank you for trusting us with it. We're going all in. We're going to be balanced this year for your glory, for your kingdom, for your purposes, and your pursuits. And we thank you that you will add all the things that we need to our lives in great abundance, in more than enough to share with everyone around us. Father, you are great and greatly to be praised. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week and remember, the best is yet to come.